everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. I'm Diana, and I'm here with your host, John Abrams. And today we've got a fun panel of guests with us. We have Sarah Kermis, who previously worked on the operations side at Venzi and is now at AWS. And we also have Matt Blattman, who is the marketing intern. And you've heard from Matt before, so we're happy to have him back with us for this episode. Uh, hey, Sarah and Matt and John, how's how's it going? It's good. Hey, hey Sarah. Hey, thanks so much for the warm welcome. Yeah, absolutely. I um, all all of Venzi misses you, and uh, hey, Matt, uh, good to see you uh, again. So, my career, I've always been in uh, large supply chain operations, and. Uh, one of the things I, I had the privilege of doing was I got to manage a lot of our academic research programs. So I did a lot at MIT in the Media Lab over the years, like, you know, from the early 90s uh, for decades after that, and uh, Notre Dame and Ball State, and uh, even Matt uh, with uh, some of the supply chain folks up at at Michigan, your school. And one of the things that was always really cool for that sort of work or that came along with that sort of work was I got to meet people who were often, uh, you know, a different generation than me. So, so folks who were in the, in the center of academic knowledge and learning new things and discovering and researching new things. So what I thought would be really cool today is that Matt and Sarah, not to be ageist, but you're both in a generation much younger than mine. And I, you're not millennials. You're even, you know, more youthful than that. But so what is that? Is that, does anybody know, is that Gen Z? What are you guys? Yeah, I think it's Gen Z, right, Matt? Yeah, I know I'm Gen Z. I was saying before that that Sarah, Sarah might be closer to the edge, but Right. It depends who you ask. I was born in 97. So okay. um, some people say it's 2000. <laughs> so let me, let me box you guys like this. You guys are what I would call digital natives. So the, as native as technology got for me uh, when, when I was in college was the telephone. In fact, my college uh, for the first two years I was there, we were still on a copper-based party line. So if any of four different dorm rooms picked up the phone, we all heard each other's conversations. So, so Drama. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's stories about that, but I'm not going to get into it. That's the kind of digital nativeness that, that I'm used to. You guys grew up in an age where, where the sort of modern convenience of a computer is not having to boot off a five and a quarter inch floppy disk. You you carry around your whole life. You have you've carried around more compute power in your hand than I had access to uh, most of my life. So you guys are digital natives, and here's what I'd like to tee up, and let's we'll see where we go from here. But you guys have both been exposed to the ugly paper based infrastructure that our global supply chain operates on. So uh, for listeners, I think you guys know that uh, Benzie sits in 
this uh, digital space of supply chain. So connecting digitally uh, manufacturers, people that make things with retailers, people who sell things. And believe it or not, in this day and age, you can pick any part of that supply chain between a manufacturer and a retailer, and you'll find paper. And one of the things we talk about on this podcast often is paper is not flexible. Paper is expensive. Paper is slow. And so what I'd like to talk about and really kind of open it up, Sarah, to your perspective um, uh, first is, is how much of a surprise is the manual nature of supply chain? You know, you interact with it through Amazon or whatever you buy things from. How much of a surprise was it being in the operational center at Venzi and and looking at sort of, you know, how messed up people's, uh, you know, large companies, you know, big enterprises, how messed up their systems or processes are as a digital native? Yeah. Oh, thanks for the question, John. So I guess um, just to give a little background into where I came from before Venzi, uh, I had recently graduated with an industrial engineering degree from uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I had spent um, nine months at a Kohler company where I mm. was uh, an engineer. Love Kohler. Well, sorry, what was that, Jen? Love, love Kohler. Oh, they, yeah. They're awesome. Great. Yeah, great family company. It was an awesome work environment, um, and that's where I learned all about the plant floor and the supply chain within the manufacturing plant, um, and I really enjoyed that. And then I had a very similar situation when I worked the following summer at GE Healthcare, where I was also on the plant floor, but more of um, sort of a a project-oriented lean manufacturing type um, contributor to the team. So I guess the reason I give you that background is because I had already been very surprised when I when I joined the kind of the the operations team within the plant at the I guess the the slow I don't want to say slow but um, difficulty in innovating mm. at the pace of you know what we see day to day as consumers and uh, it was it was really cool and it was eye opening great learning. But that was kind of my narrow view of the supply chain before I got to Venzi. And at Venzi, what excited me and what I'd never been a part of before was being a leader on the team, or I guess a a lead in the marketplace of innovation. So when I was in the plants, I wanted to be an innovator, but I was a part of the group that was being you know, bogged down with the day-to-day. Whereas at Venzi, it was coming in with the objective of innovating. Um, so I guess you ask about um, my level of surprise. Um, I'd say I wasn't as surprised. I was certainly surprised because um, as a consumer, you see all the product information on amazon.com or Target or whatever. And you take it for granted. Um, but I had seen the inefficiencies in the supply mm. chain over and over again on the plant side. And so I wasn't surprised from that point, but it was nice to be on a different side of the spectrum. In this you case. know, and it's interesting that 
So GE Healthcare, I know GE Healthcare. I was at Cardinal Health. They were a, a trade partner uh, of us. Cardinal Health is a uh, uh, medical products distributor. And, and I was, uh, I led the data side on the medical product side. So devices, gowns, all the things that are in short supply during the pandemic. Um, it's interesting that GE Healthcare, major manufacturer, really for medical products, and a wide range of, of SKUs or, or individual units, as well as Kohler, you know, a huge breadth of both industrial, you know, power generation and stuff like that, as well as consumer products, you know, uh, toilets and faucets and uh, things like that. Uh, not to mention some really awesome golf courses up in Kohler, Wisconsin. But and chocolate, um, they manufacture. They chocolate. manufactured chocolate. <laughs> no way. Now I guess. Wow. Well, that 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 is a depth of uh, product uh, that that is is sort of surprising. But it's one of the things I always say is sort of a truism is that the larger the organization, the more acute the pain in supply chain. And it's because, in my view, manual process doesn't scale. So I, I want to dig in a little bit into your uh, uh, your challenge around innovating or doing things different in a, those are global brands. And, and uh, I'm, I'm curious where you think that stems from, because if, uh, if the world were made up of, uh, brilliant people like you or Matt, uh, I, I think the same challenges uh, wouldn't exist because as a digital native, you would look at the inefficiency, you would drill down to find the core of the process and you would, you would be trying to supplant that with some sort of digital uh, or, or automated approach. So what do you think the barrier is? Why, why can't more people be like you? Well, John, I'll take that. And then uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear, Matt, your take as well, your guess. Um, but I guess I would say first, um, I don't think, you know, obviously GE and, and Kohler, these are, I mean, these are just two examples of large scale manufacturers, right, that have been around for hundreds of years. Um, it's, they have so many smart people. It's not... Mm-hmm. necessarily that they don't want to get better or to grow or, you know, to be more innovative. I think it's just the community. Honestly, it all stems back to communication and the more people that you have that a way I've seen it is the more people you have to get on board and the more different ways you have to sort of communicate your objective and your aim at changing something. So when I was at Kohler, um, I spent a lot of time on the change management side of it. And I was coming in as an industrial engineer, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I was excited <laughs> to kind of be more technical and be on the plant floor. Um, but I spent a lot of time in meetings and hoping to kind of talk with and get different teams and different leaders on board with changes we were trying to make in the plant. And what I realized after that, even though I, I came in sort of like, oh, I don't want to work on change management, but I realized that that was actually the foundation of how you get things done and how you move, like, you know, move the ticker, if you will, like 
um, without kind of effective communication and spreading awareness and answering the why, you're not going to get that done. You're not going to get those things done and you're not going to innovate. And so I think that that's where big companies like that miss the mark is because you have to change the message so much to those different teams and it's more challenging. But. You know, and a, a good segue to Matt. So Matt, you study the science of how people make decisions and and also as a, a digital native, uh, you know, having grown up with, with the sort of technology that allows more automation and more engagement, what's, I, you know, you haven't been on the shop floor at GE as far as I know, but w- what do you, what do you think the, the, the barriers to change, you know, by the, I'm not a baby boomer. I missed that uh, cut. Uh, but, you know, you guys look at, I think, boomers in a, you know, they are an oppressive group to, uh, to get uh, change done. And, and uh, so, you know, Matt, tapping into your academic side of, of how decisions get made, does that resonate with you, the sort of barriers that Sarah is tossing out? Well, I, I think, and thanks for the question, John. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I think that one thing that Sarah talked about, um, and and Sarah has much more experience in this industry than I do. Um, the, like Venzi, the Venzi is my first first um, position in in supply chain, and I think that one one area is is just how difficult it is to create change. Um, I think that that is something that on Sarah's more technical side is definitely something that um, is very difficult, but also just people don't don't like to change things and and processes get stuck in their old ways because because people are afraid are afraid to change or or are a little lazy. And I think that 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 could be one of the big one of the big problems. Um, I also think that just from my experience at Venzi, it's so interesting to see how and you talk about this all the time, John, how you how Venzi is really on on its own in that they're trying to um, evolve this this industry and and talk and and do all of these things that we're talking about and create that change. Yeah, and it's I I was on a conference call this morning and there were a bunch of uh, big thinkers uh, uh, talking about supply chain and the challenges to uh, change. They were taking a, a they had a very different. Approach to it, meaning they were looking at the uh, not the opposition to change or the fundamental challenges of culture and communication, as Sarah you point out, but they were looking at the uh, the enormous pressure that the COVID pandemic is exerting on companies to change or be irrelevant, and they were talking about it in those stark terms. They were. They were saying, look, you know, as an organization, we will either become more efficient or consumers will bypass us in favor of those companies that have leaned into change during the pandemic and are going to come out the other side in a better place. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, we probably don't have a whole lot of time left in this episode, but let me toss this question out. And I'd like, uh, you know, Sarah, you're, you're, uh, uh, perspective on it and Matt, yours, given the 
you know, the need for change, especially with the context of a global pandemic uh, against the supply chain forcing change. Are you, Sarah, optimistic that the sorts of things that you want to drive organizations to embrace in terms of, of tech and innovation, are you optimistic or not optimistic? And then, Matt, love to have your answer to that, too. Oh, John, I appreciate the question. And it's, I, <laughs> uh, it's funny. I, the, I, there's so much I am excited to learn about business. Um, but I'll say. But does, that, <laughs> but does your, you are generally yeah. a rosy, optimistic person. That's I your am. nature. That's your wiring. Yeah. And, but I, do you come away from the experiences you've had in your business tenure like yay things are changing and I'm 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 helping or are you like oh I can't be so rosy yeah no I yeah I'm definitely a, tend to be a excuse me optimistic person and I am in this case I think if you look back to 2008 2009 I have friends that work for companies that started in 2008, 2009, right? Mm. And that was another economic um, downturn we had. This is another one. It's greater, right? But I think the companies that come out of this ahead, ultimately the consumer, we, um, all four of us on the call here, we all benefit from that. And so those who come out ahead and lean into the change that's required, um, we've just seen, you know, previously, and I think we'll continue to see throughout this that we're going to, we're going to get better and better. <laughs> uh, wow. I think I'm, so. I mean, you know, no, that's really, I got to tell you, that's not the, I was expecting a little more watered down dour message, but no, I love it. Matt, yeah, what's your, <laughs> no, not at all. No, I love it. Matt, what's your view? Well, so I think that Going back to the last episode, when I when you had me on last time, um, we really talked a lot about how the pandemic will will change things in supply chain. And I think that what you talked about is that there needs to be pressure on on these companies to innovate. Um, and I think that the pandemic has totally shown to these companies that there is a need to innovate. Um, so I think that a positive view on that would be that the pandemic and and the recession that's following the pandemic will show that these companies need to innovate in supply chain and and there will be more pressure for that wow here's the here's the thing that i want to say to you guys as we wrap up and diana you can close us out in just a second but i am i am really encouraged that uh you know i I know you guys are the top of the heap in your generation, uh, and I know that because I, I, you know, it's it's rare that I meet as informed and as uh, bright uh, folks as as both you, Sarah, and you, Matt. And let me just tell you, the fact that you guys, during a crushing pandemic, working in crushing supply chain, remain optimistic gives me hope. Uh, for a much more uh, efficient uh, business future. And that is, uh, I, I think, out of this 20 minutes or so that we've talked, that is the thing that uh, really has brought me a, a lot of joy. It's not like I was having a bad day anyway. I wasn't. 
but I, I think your spirit and your uh, rosy outlook, if I can reuse that phrase, is, uh, is really encouraging given what you both have seen uh, when you look at the processes and the imperfections of today's supply chain. So really appreciate uh, you guys uh, bringing your talent uh, to Venzi. We've been honored, uh, Sarah, to have you as a part of it. I know you've moved on to uh, Amazon and AWS, and, and we're, we miss you greatly. Uh, Matt, we're lucky to have you still a part of it, but thank you both even more for your optimistic optimistic enthusiasm and your rosy outlook. And uh, Diana, I'll toss it to you to close us out. Yeah, this was so fun to listen to. Um, I, I'm part of the millennial generation. So hearing things from a Gen Z perspective was interesting for me as well. Hopefully we'll have you guys back on to lift John's spirits even more. Uh, thank you, Sarah and Matt for being here. Thank you everybody for listening. And we will be back again soon with another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Supply Chain podcast. It's brought to you by Venzi, intelligent product content distribution for enterprise commerce. Learn more and say hello to us at venzi.com. That's V-E-N-Z-E-E.com.